know that you've been raised from the dead spiritually? Raised from the dead? Now, when Lazarus was raised from the dead, get this, when he came out of that tomb, the job was only half done. Because he came out all bound up. I'm going to talk about that today. So though he was resurrected, he was still bound. Think about that. Though he was resurrected, he was still bound. I'm going to show you how he was bound and the significance of where he was bound and the fact that as Jesus raises us from the dead, when we get saved, we still carry some grave clothes. And the same thing he said over Lazarus, he says over us, loose him and let him go. Amen? So let's just read. We're going to jump into the middle of the story. Right when Jesus is raising Lazarus from the dead, I want you to watch what happened here. Now, when he had said these things, he, that is Jesus, cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out. Everybody say, he came out. Now, right there, I'm fainted. I don't see anything else. I'm on the ground when I see a dead man that's been dead four days come out of the grave. But look what happened. Notice what it says. He came out bound. He came out bound, hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, read it with me, everybody, loose and let him go. Father, thank you for your word today. And I pray you will bless it. I pray you will use it. I pray you'll minister in it. And God, I thank you that those who have yet some grave clothes around them, though they have been resurrected, that you're going to do a miracle today and set people free. You're going to set people free by the word of the Lord. You're going to send your word and heal them. You're going to set free. You're going to bring revelation, illumination, and the truth is going to set us free. Now, will you breathe a prayer, church, and say, Lord, speak to me. And wherever I'm not free, set me free. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him he's setting you free today. God bless you. Now, this is one of the top miracles, maybe the best, the strongest, the greatest, Jesus performed. Lazarus isn't the only one he raised from the dead, but it's the most dramatic because Lazarus had been dead, been dead four days. Now, really dead. Not just kind of laying there, not being kept alive by some machine because there weren't any. He was really dead. The Bible says he was dead four full days. We know that he had been sick. Mary and Martha, his sisters, had sent messengers to Jesus to come and heal him before he got sicker. And Jesus did not do what they expected, what they wanted, what they hoped. He waited until Lazarus was good and dead. He told his disciples, I'm glad for your sakes that Lazarus has died, that we weren't there, that you may believe. So Jesus already had in his mind, you know, Jesus' thinking was always miles and miles and miles ahead of everybody else. They were thinking, come heal him. He was thinking, no, I'm going to raise him from the dead. So he was dead. Rigor mortis. He's in the grave. Rigor mortis had fully set in. So had decay. The sisters said, don't roll away that stone because there's a stench. He's dead. The stench of decay. According to custom, when he died, 
Strips of cloth were wound tightly around the body, binding the jaw closed. The jaw was bound closed. And then the feet were also bound together, and the hands were bound to the sides of the body. Now, we all know what mummies look like. We know, you know, we've seen the movies, the mummy and all of that, and Egyptian, the way they did this. And this is the same way that Jesus was wrapped in linen cloths with a napkin around his head, exactly the same way. And so the jaw, think about this, the feet and the hands were bound. The jaw so he couldn't talk, the feet so he couldn't walk, the hands so he couldn't clap like we just did. Amen, he was bound. He was bound in key areas of life, in the key areas where we need bodily movement. He was bound. He couldn't talk. He couldn't walk. He couldn't hold. He couldn't praise. He couldn't any of that. So when Jesus called Lazarus out of the grave, Lazarus came out of the grave kind of waddling or some have suggested hopping because that's all he could do. His feet are bound together. So all he could do is kind of this. Remember, did you ever play potato and you're in the sack and you had to do this? All right, did you know there's a child song? I didn't know this, but there's a child song called the Lazarus Hop. It's a children's church song, and children will hop towards somebody playing Christ like Lazarus was forced to hop out of the tomb towards Jesus. I mean, look, he came out bound in his feet, bound in his hands, bound in his mouth, so all he could do was this. Amen. That's not the way you want to live the rest of your life. Now, this incredible miracle that Jesus performed caused many people at the funeral to believe on Jesus. They believed on him. Uh, But I see in this story of Lazarus, that's why I've been on it three times. This is my last message out of this story. But I saw this story dividing into three parts. And this is the third part. Lazarus coming out, but he's still bound. So let me show you spiritual parallels to what happened with Lazarus. It's a physical picture of a spiritual truth. When you and I were saved, here's the truth. The Bible says we were dead. Everybody say dead. Now, that's not figuratively speaking, metaphorically speaking. It's not taking poetic license. It's not just using a word to make us realize some heavy truth. No, it's a fact. Before we were saved, we were spiritually as dead as Lazarus's body was dead. How many of you know this is true? Come on. You were spiritually dead. The life of God was not in you. None of the life of God was in you. You and I were cut off from God, and God is life. And if you're cut off from God, you have no life. So we were dead. The Bible says you were dead. Ephesians 2, 1, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. The same Greek word Paul uses there for dead in sins is the same Greek word used to describe Lazarus' dead body. Dead. We were dead. We walked around, we had jobs, we, we breathed, we saw, we heard, we talked. But spiritually, we were unplugged. Spiritually, that inside part of us, the spirit, it says God breathed into Adam the breath of life. That wasn't in you and me when we were born. We breathed oxygen, but we were cut off from the spirit of God. And because of that, we were dead. Now, just like Lazarus was dead and helpless, he couldn't do anything to help himself down there. 
He couldn't do anything. What's he going to do? He's dead. He's dead and he's helpless. So were we. We were dead, but we were also helpless. If the voice of Jesus had not spoken to us, if amazing grace had not reached out to us, if God hadn't come knocking on the door of our heart and the Holy Ghost convicted us of sin, we would have remained dead in our sins and we would have died one day in our sins. But thank God one day you were walking around, I was walking around, God sent somebody, some message, some speaker, and we heard the gospel, and when we did, the Holy Ghost convicted us, and when we said, Jesus, come into my life, he made us alive in Christ, and for the first time in our life, we were alive, we were alive, really alive with the life of God. But we were also, just like Lazarus, not only dead and helpless, but we were in a dark place where no light penetrated. The Bible says that Jesus called you out of darkness. He didn't call you out of dimness. He didn't call you out of, out of, out of uh, low light. He didn't call you out of semi-light. He called you out of total, complete darkness. And folks, there is no darkness like spiritual darkness. There is no darkness like spiritual blindness. And he, it says that, that, that we were in a dark place. The Bible says Jesus called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He spoke into the tomb and called Lazarus out of the darkness of that tomb. He spoke into the tomb of our sin and called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. This is a physical picture of a spiritual truth that happens with everybody who calls on the name of the Lord. The voice of Jesus penetrates into our life and he calls us out of darkness into his marvelous, say it, light. So as Lazarus was called out of darkness into the light of day, we were called out of spiritual darkness into the light of God's love. And right now, if you're a child of God, you are not in the dark, but you are in the light. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise for that? Amen. Amen. Now, I want you to imagine that for a moment that you're Lazarus. Just imagine for a moment. Use your sanctified imagination. Think about you being Lazarus. And, and you've been dead four days. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us what he saw where he went, what happened to him, what stories he had to tell when he came back. But we know that when he died, he went somewhere. Now, he didn't go to hell. We know that for sure. But, but he went into the eternal world. We, we're never told what he saw, what he heard. But we do know this. Suddenly, the voice. Everybody say the voice because there isn't any voice like Jesus' voice. Amen? Suddenly, the voice. He hears a voice wherever he was. In the spirit world, he heard the voice of Jesus call him. Lazarus, by name. He knows your name when he calls you out. He knows your address. He knows your age. He knows your DNA, your personality. He knows you well, and he calls you out by name. But when he, when he suddenly, he comes back to life, folks, put yourself in his grave clothes. He hears the voice. And suddenly he's back. He's breathing. But guess what? He's in total darkness. He's in a tomb. There's no light. There's nobody in there. It's lonely. He, he, surely he had to gather his wits about him for a moment there. He's back to life. And he realizes suddenly, not only can I not see, but I can't move. My hands are bound. 
My feet are bound. My jaw is bound. I can't cry out for somebody to come get me because I'm bound. And so he had to struggle to somehow get on his feet so he could hop. Just like so many of us who are called out of deep sin, we've got to learn, we've got to struggle to stand and and get somewhere. We've got to struggle to get on our feet. If you've been called out of deep sin into his marvelous light, there's often a struggle, just like Lazarus had to struggle to come out of that cave, out of that tomb, we have to struggle. We, we, we struggle to stand on our feet after being so long in sin. We struggle to walk right. We struggle to get near Jesus. So listen, what he had to do is what you and I have to do. He had to move towards the voice he trusted. Oh, man, he had to move. Now, all he knew was this. He had heard Jesus, Lazarus, come out of there. And so he gets up. Somehow he struggles to his feet, and he starts hopping, waddling towards the mouth of that tomb. And and what can he do? He's only moving towards the voice that he trusted. And I'm going to tell you something. That's me. When I got saved in juvenile home, I didn't hardly trust anybody. It was hard for me to trust anybody. But when I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, I knew a voice spoke to me from the preacher's voice. There was a voice within the voice, and the voice within the voice said to me, you can trust me. You can lay your life in my hands. I'm here to save you. I love you unconditionally. I'm not going to burn you. I'm not going to walk out on you. I'm not going to betray you. I'm not going to stick you. I'm not going to stab you. And, And all I knew to do was sort of hop towards the voice that I trusted. Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. So let me just give you a word before I get into the meat of this message today. If you've been burned by people, if you've been betrayed, gossiped on, walked out on, and and it's hard for you to trust, can I tell you that you can trust the voice of the one who is calling you out of darkness into his marvelous light? You can trust that voice. You can trust that voice. Now, just like Lazarus, when we come out, now follow this because this is truth. Some of you have been wondering about the very thing that I'm going to talk to you about today. Just like Lazarus, when we walk out of death into life, out of dark into light, out of blind into sight, out of hellbound into heavenbound, when we walk out and come to him, we're still wrapped in some of the grave clothes of our former life. Now, follow me. Let me give you some examples. For instance, many of us are still wrapped up in the things we've learned to fear. And we need those grave clothes removed. We have been resurrected. But we're still afraid of this and that and the other things that we have learned to fear in our former dead life. That's why the Bible says in Romans 12, 2, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? How does transformation come? By the renewing of your mind. That means erasing old thought patterns and replacing them with new thought patterns. That means erasing lies and replacing them with truth. That means erasing negatives and replacing them with positives. That means re- erasing devil thinking and world thinking and replacing it with God godly thinking and Bible thinking. We've got to be renewed in the spirit of our mind or we will never be changed. That's the grave clothes. Some of us are still clothed in things that we have believed about ourselves 
negative stuff that didn't come from God, from God, lies that came from the devil. We believe certain things about ourselves. Once we're resurrected, we still believe certain things about ourselves. We've got a self-image. We've got a negative self-image. We don't think we can do anything. Maybe we were told negative things about ourselves, or we just began to view ourselves a certain way that was very defeating. We don't believe we're any good. We don't believe we have any promise. We don't believe God can use somebody like us. We don't believe we're likable or lovable. We believe these things. The world gave us these things. The world put those grave clothes on us. But when he calls you out of darkness into his marvelous light, there's a word over you, and it is loose him and let him go free. Take off those grave clothes. And, you know, some of us still drag around the negative things that others told us about ourselves. And when they told us these things about ourselves, we began to believe them. And what they really did, they put on those grave clothes that came from our former life of sin and darkness in the world. The grave clothes. We had somebody say, you're dumb, you're stupid, you're not pretty, you're not handsome, you're not attractive, you're not lovable, you're not likable, you're not gifted, you're kind of dull. In other words, God made a mistake if God was involved with you at all. You're not worth time. You're not worth love. These are things that people say over us. It could have been a teacher. It could have been a principal. It could have been a parent. But they spoke something over you, and and it wrapped itself around you, and it bound your hands and bound your feet and bound your mouth so that you were not free to do and be what God's called you to do and be. And Jesus says, loose him, loose him, loose him, loose him. Take those grave clothes off. I've got something new for you. And if you're going to do what I've got for you, you've got to be free from that old stuff. Come on, everybody. This is absolutely true. Like Lazarus couldn't move when he came out of there. Born again, blood-bought, children of God who have been raised from the spiritual dead, who are going straight to heaven when they die, still have grave clothes wrapped around them. We're hopping when we ought to be walking. We're mute when we ought to be shouting God's praise. There are still some things that need to be done to set us free. Notice it was his mouth that was bound so that he could not talk. His feet were bound so that he could not walk. His hands were bound so that he couldn't work, so that he couldn't clap, so he couldn't lift his hands to God in praise. He was resurrected, but he was still bound, speech bound, feet bound, hands bound. Though raised from the dead, he still needed to be set free from these carryovers from his time in the tomb. What's still got a grip on you? See, let me just talk about each of the mouth, hands, feet, because these are all key. The Bible is amazing to me. The Bible is amazing to me. It doesn't waste a word because the Bible makes it clear that we understand his mouth was bound. He couldn't talk. Feet bound. He couldn't walk. Hands bound. He could not work. He couldn't work. He couldn't praise. He couldn't clap. He couldn't function. So let's take them one at a time. He was resurrected from the dead, but he couldn't testify with a bound mouth. This was a resurrected man, but he couldn't testify because his mouth was bound. And some of you still might be bound in the same way. Your tongue hasn't been loose to testify of what he's done for you. When you get the opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus, you freeze all up because you've still got the grave clothes of, of, of 
pride or intimidation or fear wrapped around you so you don't talk the way God wants you to talk. But can I tell you, as the devil had your tongue, God wants your tongue. Amen? Amen. Jesus said, loose him and let him go. You know, when I got saved, um, I, man, I had, I had no positive self-image of myself at all, none. And one of the big fears I had was talking in front of people. Now, I know that's hard for you to believe because that's all you ever see me do is talking in front of people. But I want you to know I was a resurrected young man. I was raised from the dead. God touched me in jail. I was saved in jail. I heard the gospel. I heard the voice of Jesus speak down into my tomb. And I heard him say, come out, Jeff. And I believed the gospel and I came out and I was resurrected. But then he began to call me to preach, me of all people. He began to call me to preach and it was freaking me out. Because I had this fear of standing up in front of people. You want to know how bad it was? It was bad. Three or more people, I froze up. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I fretted. I chewed my nails. I dreaded the moment when I was going to have to get up and speak in front of people. And isn't that amazing? Because that's what he called me to do for my whole life. So there were grave clothes wrapped around me. You know why I was so afraid to speak in front of people? Because I was in a play as a sixth grader where I was a, a knight in cardboard armor. And I was supposed to walk out at a certain time when the whole class full of my peers, and I was supposed to walk into the classroom in this cardboard armor and deliver these powerful lines. And when I walked in there in that cardboard armor and I saw all of them looking at me, I went completely and totally blank. I couldn't think of what my name was, much less the lines. And I stood there. And they started snickering, and they started laughing. And inside, I was dying a thousand deaths. I was so glad I had a helmet on that covered my face. But finally, the teacher said, that's okay, Jeff. You can go back out in the hall. And the same way I came in, I went back out. And all the way out, I said to myself, never again will I ever speak in front of people, you know, sometimes you make an inner vow you should never make. Sometimes you make an inner vow. I'll never love again. I'll never be transparent again. I'll never marry again. I'll never trust again. Come on, everybody, I'm talking to you. We make inner vows. We make inner vows that bind us. We make those inner vows, and they become the grave clothes that we still carry around after we're resurrected. And I realized that I made a vow that was not of God because God had called me to stand in front of people and deliver his word. So I had to get set free. And you know what? I heard Jesus say, loose him. And let him go. And I went from being really afraid to, man, give me the biggest crowd you can find. Now I am hooked on it. And what was my weakness is now my strength because he set me free. Come on, church. He wants to set you free. He wants to set you free. His mouth was bowed. Still others of you haven't been set free to praise God by clapping or raising your hands. You go into analysis paralysis when it's time to praise God. <clears throat> you go, oh, well, that's just not me. I just don't think that's me. That's not my personality. 
But listen, I went through the same thing. First time I walked into a meeting and there was a bunch of guys lifting their hands and clapping, I thought they were so strange and weird. But the problem was I was intimidated. I was afraid. I was bound up. Not only did he loose my tongue to declare his word, he loosed my hands to praise him, to clap to him, to praise him, to worship him. I found out that your hands, here's the way I started. I started out here. And here's everybody worshiping, God, tears coming down their face, but I was God's frozen chosen, let me tell you. And I stood there like this. But then I started thinking, well, nobody's looking, I'm going to try it. So I got my hands up half-mast. Some of you are at half-mast right now. Some of you are at semi-half-mast. You get one hand up, you keep the other one down, as if something's going to happen to you, like lightning's going to strike you. Well, no, not lightning, but maybe the power of God if you loose your fear and loose your intimidation. So I was at half-mast with one hand, and then I realized, well, nothing bad happened, so I went half-mast with the other one. And then I remember the night I decided, okay, here it goes. I'm going all the way with this thing. I'm going to find out why they like it so much. And so during the worship and praise, I lifted my hands all the way up. And I remember how free I got. It was like I, it was like I put up a lightning rod, and the power of God touched me. See, I was no longer intimidated, afraid of what people think. Who cares what people think? You're not going to know them next year. They're sure not going to be in heaven or standing at the judgment seat of Christ with you. Do, do what God tells you. Don't care what they think. They may be waiting for you to do it, so they'll do it. So I got my, I got my tongue set free. I got my hands set free. But look, Lazarus couldn't walk either. Our feet illustrate the path we take in life. It's our lifestyle, the direction we seek spiritually, the direction we take spiritually. Jesus said there's only two ways you can go. You can go down the narrow road that leads to life. That's the pathway. Or you can take the broad road that leads to destruction. That's the pathway. But your feet represent where you're going in life. What are you pursuing? What are you chasing? What has your heart? Because whatever has your heart has your feet. Because wherever your heart is, your feet are going to follow. So his Lazarus, he, he couldn't walk. He could only hop. He could waddle, but he couldn't walk. And he wanted to walk. He couldn't walk towards Jesus to thank him because he couldn't walk. He had to be set free. So Jesus said, loose him and let him go. And, and maybe you've got some old grave clothes habits. Have you bound? And you want to walk this way, but, but, but because of the habit, you keep going this way. And he wants you to go this way, but because of the habit, you keep going this way. That grave clothes, you're saved, you're, you're, you're a child of God, but you're still wrapped up in that. And you know that God's saying, go this way fully, and you start to, but then that habit comes and you're back this way. Let me tell you something. As Jesus said, loose him and let him go, he's speaking that over you today. Loose him, loose her. And let him go, let her go. When Jesus says, loose him, loose her, there ain't anything that can keep you bound when he says loose over your life. Be loose, be set free. The Bible says make straight paths for your feet. Make straight paths for your feet. Jesus saw Lazarus's, he saw it. He saw the problem. He immediately saw, here's my resurrected man, but his mouth is bound, his hands are bound, his feet are bound. So Jesus, immediately sizing up the problem, said, no, I want you to let him go free. Now I want to go straight, let me cut straight to the chase here today. Jesus didn't set Lazarus free so he could go do his own thing. No, no, no. 
He set him free because he had a purpose in mind. Jesus never touches you or me without a purpose in mind. He's got a purpose in mind. He's got a plan, and that's why he touched you. There is a plan, and it involves more than heaven. It's here and now on this planet, on this earth. There is a plan over your life. There is a call over your life. There is an intent over your life. There is a design and a destiny over your life. He didn't just save you so you could say, well, I'm saved. He saved you for a purpose. He even did it with a donkey. When he was going to go into Jerusalem for the first Palm Sunday, he told his disciples, go over to the town next here, and you're going to find a donkey tied up. And then he said these words, loose him and bring him to me. And if anybody says, what are you doing? You say, the Lord has need of him. If Jesus had a plan and a purpose for a donkey, where does that leave you and me? Come on, everybody. The Bible says a few days later, Jesus was in Bethany, and a great many of the Jews had gathered together, and look what it says, not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also, say it with me, see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. You know, people have, have a curiosity about people who have been spiritually transformed, delivered change and set free that they can't deny. They said, we're here to see Jesus. Yeah, we've heard all about Jesus, but we got to see this guy that was raised from the dead. Can I tell you, that's the way people look at you. They say, they say, well, I've been hearing you. You're telling me that that person that used to be out partying all the time and living in sin and doing this and that and the other, you're telling me they're going to church now. You're telling me that they've been changed. What are you talking about? I got to see this. I still got people looking me up saying, I got to see what I've heard. And I've been in this thing since I was a late teenager. And being 40 now, that's a long time. <laughs> little joke there, little levity. It's 42. No, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> but see, see, people want to see what you say you saw. People want to see people who have been raised from the dead. People want to see people who have met Jesus. They're curious about how did it happen. You know, so here's Lazarus. Why did Jesus pull him out of the grave? He had a purpose for him. Lazarus would testify before Jesus was crucified and buried that Jesus was the resurrection and the life. He was his witness. And you are his witness. If you've been raised from the spiritual dead, raise your hand. All right, say with me, I've got a testimony. You don't have to be brilliant. You don't have to be a theologian. You just have to have been delivered by Jesus. If you've been delivered by Jesus, you've got a testimony. Let's stand to our feet and give God praise today. Can we? Come on. <clears throat> praise him. Come on, you can do better than that. Praise him. Praise him, everybody. Come on. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord.